0: Beyond the Box, 54, Future Ready, What to Watch For in 2023. Now, in 1 Chronicles 12, 32, it's a favored verse of mine, and it's what's helped me to develop a second string to the bow of our Bible teaching, and that is World Trends. And it says of the children of Issachar, which were men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. It's a very simple but profound principle. When you know what is going on, and you know why it's going on, then the Holy Spirit will download to you what you need to do. Remember, we live in such change-filled, crisis-riddled, and chaos-laden times that even experts don't know what to do. But thank the Lord, He does. And He will happily show you the way. But you've got to do your part. You have to practice double listening, which the late British theologian John Stott was a proponent of, or at least he's described this. Double listening simply means one ear open to the Word, namely the Word of God, and one ear open to God's world. When you have your ears open to both, you are like the child of Issachar, you will understand, and you will know what you need to do. Now, the 2020s has been a decade unlike anything we've ever seen in living memory, even surpassing the turbulent 1960s. For many people, it has caused a lot of fear, and much of people's fears today is misdirected. People are afraid of the climate crisis, of global warming, of environmental apocalypse, of being called pejorative names like racist, misogynist, denier, and so on. The overt overdrive of wokery or wokeism with its punitive cancel culture causes much fear as well, and people are being bullied into silence as a result. Yet, a servant of God put it this way, The only fear you need is the fear of the Lord. And once you obtain the fear of the Lord, it will cancel out all other fears. Now, that in itself would be a good way to start the new year fostering the fear of the Lord. In this podcast, I want to give you a few things to watch and pray about, as well as some practical tips on the future. Now, first of all, the Western world, or Western civilization, is under great stress and in theory in danger of collapse. Western civilization has been credited to the Greeks and the Romans, and there's some correct notion in that. But much of it came from Judeo-Christian principles, like the Ten Commandments. In the West, we've seen many lifted out of poverty. Human rights have been recognized. It's been, for many, a great equalizer. It has fostered the advent of modern science and technology. And all of this is at risk. What is the worst impediment we've got? I would say is not our runaway spending, or our woke ideologies. It's our declining morals and our low view of truth. And remember, wherever you have a low view of truth, you have an increase of lawlessness. So declining morals and low view of truth are factors at making the Western world fragile. There is the war between Russia and Ukraine, and there's so much to say, and there's so much misinformation, and there's a lot we don't know, and it's really kind of unwise to make grandiose pronouncements, but a few things we can say for sure. This is a tragedy. It's a tragedy among fellow Slavic brethren who both sides are Orthodox Christians. It has presented a major challenge for the West, but what it's revealed is a bit frustrating It is because it is showing NATO not to be as potent as we thought it was. There has been corrupt links between the Western world and this other part of the world. And it certainly frustrated globalism because Russia has proved to be very resilient against sanctions. Now, the real danger, as bad as this war is, is that it will spread. Now, remember, this is the largest war in Europe since 1945, We're concerned that it may broaden and involve the rest of the world, or World War III, and nuclear weapons. It's a point of prayer. And we pray for this war to end, protect the innocents, repatriate the refugees, and so on. We need to watch Iran, a very important nation. It could be either on the threshold of nuclear breakout, or due to the many protests The anti hijab protests of the end of 2022, the regime may be vulnerable. But sometimes vulnerable regimes can be reckless regimes. We don't know for sure. It's worth watching and praying. Now, Iran's relationship with Turkey and possibly Russia itself could channel them into a prophetically significant alliance. And now that there is a renewed Netanyahu government in Israel, there may be more tension or There may be more detente, we have to see. We need to pray for China. It's a great nation too. It's got a large church. It has a lot of potential. It is also a growing regional world power, very ambitious. But unfortunately, in their ambition, there's also all kinds of unsavory byproducts, including, but not limited to, bellicose rhetoric against Taiwan, the United States, and the West. But China is following the West in indebtedness. Its zero-COVID policy has failed. There have been unprecedented COVID protests, very defiant of the regime, and it's put the People's Republic in an uncharacteristically vulnerable state. We need to pray for China, for God's will to be done. And then there's the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth. How can we forget the passing of Queen Elizabeth II after 70 years on the throne. She was not just a monarch. She represented a major era. She was the embodiment of the best of the West, which caused her to be universally admired and by a small, noisy minority, scorned. Now, her words and her deeds often, at least in public, emanated from a solid stance of Judeo-Christianity. In fact, she was well-known to be personally committed to Jesus Christ. Now we have King Charles Third, And from all appearances, he's gotten off to a good start, an energetic start, and engendered a lot of public goodwill. He's, he is actually having a honeymoon. And he has m- gone to great lengths to affirm himself as not just the defender of faith, but the defender of the faith. He's promising to be politically neutral. And yet, despite all that, the UK and the Commonwealth are heading for uncharted waters. There is political instability at Westminster, or Whitehall, however you want to call it, because the UK in 2022 had three prime ministers. Charles is 74, and he will be a transitional monarch. He's not going to reign for 70 years, that's for sure. And his son, William... The heir to the throne, the Prince of Wales, appears to be religiously and politically neutral. But he's pro-climate activism, and some of his charities, if not many, lean to the left. It's something to watch, and it's something to pray for. Now, some people say that as a king, they can voice their agenda on the rest of the nation. They don't understand the nature of the constitutional monarchy. You don't have an agenda except to fulfill what the Constitution and Convention says. But they're worth praying for, as well as the Prime Minister of Britain, Rishi Sunak, at least the current one is Rishi. Will the instability in the UK lead to the reversing of Brexit, or have we passed the point of no return, and that won't happen? It's a matter of prayer. Then there's the United States. There has been much concern over many political, and social issues. In less than two years, despite the threats of deflation, inflation, and stagflation, Congress and the White House have gone on an unprecedented spending binge, at least $6 trillion, in less than two years. Money they clearly don't have with a growing national debt. The culture war has reached a new level of intensity as the woke duel with the traditionalists and the nationalists for the heart Of a nation. But I also might add, there's a spiritual dimension to this that normally goes uncommented, even by Christians. But I do want to recommend a book or at least consider getting a book. I haven't read it yet. I've just heard the reviews and read and heard from the author itself, Jonathan Kahn, The Return of the Gods. He speaks about the spiritual dimension of what we're facing right now and that the gods of the Old Testament, like Baal, for example. They never died. Their spiritual forces are still around. And if you don't have the house that's been delivered from demons, cleansed, or shall we say, filled with the things of God, then they will bring seven, nine, ten, a million demons worse than themselves. And the state of that person who's been delivered will be worse than the first. That's The Return of the Gods by Jonathan Kahn. And therefore, let's keep that in mind. So what to expect in 2023? Well, we expect the church, as earthly ambassadors to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, will continue to be a target for anti-God elite who want a fake, secular kingdom of God without God, a godless utopia on earth. Now, we do not need to fear this, but we need to be aware, alert, ready, and remember, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. There will continue to be, and maybe even more intense, economic and political shakings. From personal and corporate observation, it's clear to me that many have woken up to what's really going on out there, but many have not as of yet. That will change in 2023. The tendency is either to remain in a bubble or to cut oneself off altogether and that's what we've been seeing since 2020. Now, the silver lining of all the shakings we had since 2020, promised by Hebrews 12, 25, 29, is that the shaking will wake up those that are sleeping and sober up those that are drunken. This leads us to point three, what to expect. We expect the church to wake up. If you're disappointed with political leaders who no longer represent the values of of their party, or the constituency, then guess what do you think God thinks about it? Like the queen, he's not amused. But government is important. We must pray for government, and we must pray for obedience to government within reason. But government is not God, and there's many things they can't do, like making rain. And so it is an awakened church, a church that wakes up to the Word of God, a church that wakes up to his prophetic purposes, a church that wakes up to what's really going on out there, this is the answer. And that's why the church will be targeted, because the forces of darkness know that once the church awakes, we win, full stop. That leads me to the final point, how to respond. First of all, we respond with prudence taking note of the future trends, and wisely preparing for it. Now remember, it says twice in the book of Proverbs, the prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself. They see down the road further than everyone else, and they prayer accordingly. After all, Joseph, in the book of Genesis, was prudent. He saw there was going to be seven good years of harvest, followed by seven years of famine. So prudence says, store up the food. Do it in an organized manner and use it as an opportunity to help Pharaoh consolidate his rule. That's exactly what Joseph did. Now, since the 1990s, this ministry, ours, has sought to give insight for today, while offering hope for tomorrow. In other words, world trends for the believer. Now, to wisely prepare for the rainy day is prudent. There are suggestions, and take them for as you will, to have some cash on hand, Safely stored, of course, in case the ATM machines don't work. Have candles, have generators, have flashlights, have extra supply of food and other things you need and can't afford to go without for a period of time. Do this in a spirit of faith, not fear. Do this with wisdom and not go overboard. After all, I'm reading the story of Winston Churchill and Britain during the Second World War. They prudently had gas masks for everyone, including infants. That was a prudent thing to do. Fortunately, they never needed the gas masks. The Germans didn't deploy the mustard gas. So it's good to be prepared, although you may not need that extra supply. And you can always share it with others who also have need. Prudence is the first point. The second point is perseverance. The battle that's been going on since 2020 has been long protracted and drained. It's almost like a spiritual world war. Fatigue and fatalism have set in. Many people want to give up. The word of the Lord is, don't do it. Fear not. You are faithfully serving God by keeping the battle going in prayer, in obedience, in prudence. Galatians 6, 9 is so clear on this. Be not be... Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you do not give up. Galatians 6, 9. Prudence, perseverance, and the third point, the fear of the Lord. Remember the fear of the Lord is to come to God, hear God, obey God, serve God, and worship God. That's the fear of the Lord. It's not living in terror and dread and anxiety in the presence of God. On the contrary, when you're in the presence of God, these things don't remain in you, they flee. It replaces all of the fears with a healthy connection with the Almighty. Your exercising the fear of the Lord in a more practical and specific case has to do, first of all, with the Word of God. I am a Bible teacher. I'm a Bible teacher because I was a zealous student of Scripture. Remember, I'm the first believer in my family, And I came to faith because I found a Gideon's Bible on the family bookshelf at the age of 15 and devoured it because I was a hungry man who found the bread and word of life. I didn't know that my passion would become my profession, but so we have it. I am zealous for this for people. That's why we have a ministry called Teach All Nations. The teaching is based on God's word. Now, naturally preparing and being resilient in attitude are important. But the most important thing you can do is engender or embrace the fear of the Lord, or another way of putting it is invest in your spiritual life. This means putting God, His kingdom, and His righteousness as your number one priority. Now, the promise of God is clear and sure. If God is number one in your life, then all the necessities of life will be provided for you according to the counsel of Matthew 6.33. I want to tell you firsthand, we've applied Matthew 6.33 from day one of our ministry, and it is true, it is wonderful, it is tested steel. Learn the Word of God, put it into practice. Read and ask yourself again, what does the text say, what does it mean, how do I put it in practice? Memorize the promises of of the Word that stand out to you confess and, and declare them to God and stand on them. One popular passage of scripture, I've just finished a book on it. It's it's now out called God's Secret Place, Understanding Psalm 91. I'm not here to sell a book, but I'm here to commend Psalm 91 to you. It is very pertinent for the times in which we live. The Holy Spirit, his role in your spiritual life is crucial. The biblical Christian life is not designed to be a religious life, but a spiritual life. Born of the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Not just any spirit. It's the Holy Spirit to whom we must connect. The Spirit-filled life. And the third component of the fear of the Lord and serving God, Word and Spirit, and the body of Christ. Be rightly related to the body of Christ. Remember, friends, the pandemic is over. It's time to come back to church. We're zoomed out of existence. Zoom has a place here or there, but not for fellowship, especially if you have access to fellowship in person. It is something about being there eyeball to eyeball and not over a screen that is very powerful. I couldn't imagine Jesus doing his ministry on Zoom, although many ministry is enacted on Zoom or online. There is a place for that. I'm not decrying it all. But I'm saying is, be rightly related to the body of Christ. Bottom line. So friends, these are some of the things to watch for in 2023. We have been honest. We have also been hopeful. And I believe we will see the greatest days of revival. Revival will come, not in the absence of challenge, but despite the challenge. God's kingdom is coming and Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it.